0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. I just want to say again yeah, Brittany and I are the location pastors here at C3EV. And so a couple weeks ago, we had our first birthday. So we've been over here one year. I had a couple of people say, um, oh, um, you know, when did you guys start? It must have just been a while ago. Well, we've been here over a year now, but it's great. I think kind of the new church on the block probably lasts for a couple of years. But we're here. We're in Calgary. We're not going anywhere. And it's just been amazing what's been happening in the community that's forming here. And a big part of um, what we believe in here at C3 is, is doing life together relationships. So you'll see that we like to party. We like to connect with each other. We like to have dinner parties during the week. So during the week, we had two dinner parties take place in people's homes. um, And yeah, and some people were excited about it. It was was awesome. It's great. That is a key part of what we do. Every month, I encourage you to sign up to the dinner parties. Um, You get a chance to meet people, uh, have fun, have food, right? Who doesn't like food? Um, And just get to know a bit more of the community. And Church isn't just about being here on a Sunday, although I am very happy you're here on this Sunday and I'm excited to speak, but it's about doing doing life together. Um, We don't just attend church, we are the church, and we believe that. And so there'll be dinner parties coming up in the third week of November. Um, If you want to find out any more information about them, you can talk to Dez, who is actually helping out in kids at the moment, or you can see the information table, and, and they'll hook you up with that. That'll be awesome. So we've been in a series, When in Romans... It'll come up here behind me. When in Romans, living out of grace and glory. So tonight's the the sixth message in Romans so far, um, and it's been so good for me anyway getting to uh, jump into the Romans and speak through it. And I thought I was going to get through a lot more than I would, but there's just so much meat and good stuff in it that we'll probably have to do a When in Romans part two later next year. But tonight we're going to be looking from Romans chapter five again, like last week. Um, and so, you know, uh, last week we talked about peace, having peace with God. And it was amazing how many uh, of you guys said, like, um, you know, and this, and this is awesome, this is how God works sometimes. Oh, like, um, thanks so much for, for preaching. Uh, you knew exactly, you must have known what I was going through, like, last week and stuff. I was like, I had no idea what you were going through. But, you know, that happened a few times, but, but God does. And so when we come in and we attend regularly, his house, and it's just amazing how sometimes the word lines up specifically with what's going on in our world, and that's because his word's living and active. We believe the Bible here. We believe it's more relevant than ever, more needed than ever, and so I'm just going to jump into that and sort of tonight, though, we're looking at everybody's favorite topic. Can you have a guess what it is? Suffering. Everybody's favorite topic. I know, right? This is going to be one of those nights where if it's your first night here, um, or maybe you, even if it's not your first night here, you, you might want to drive away thinking, man, I just want to kick that preacher in the butt. Like, I want to get him. Sometimes I drive away thinking that. Sometimes I drive away and I say to Brittany when we're driving home, man, can, can you believe that Like, the preacher said that? I thought that's just so, and she's like, you're the one that preached. What are you talking about? Like, it's one of those messages tonight that if you are in the midst of something uh, that's going on in your world, Sometimes you can hear um, the truth about it. We can hear it with our, with our, what the Bible says with our ears, but we actually have two pairs of ears in a way. We have our ears and that go to our thoughts and that we hear it, but we actually have spiritual ears and we can hear it in our, in our heart. And sometimes when we're actually going through something, it's really, it's really hard to actually. Allow the word to kind of soak into our spirit because we're right in the midst of something. And, and I've been there and I'm sure we've all been there. So I just want to quickly pray tonight that we wouldn't just hear with our ears here, but would actually hear with our, our spirit tonight because I believe God has a word for many of us here tonight and all of us. So um, if you just pray with me, that would be awesome. Lord, I thank you for each person who's here tonight, Lord God. You have something to say to them. You're a good, good father. You have good gifts. You have uh, breakthroughs for people tonight. You have um, correction in thinking for us, Lord God, but you have most of all your Holy Spirit just wants to pour out your love on people tonight. So I pray through your word, Lord God, let us hear it not just with our, our um, ears in an audible manner, Lord God, but let it go into our heart, Lord God, that we can live this out this week as we explore suffering and what your word would say about it. We thank you, God. We, we love you. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase in this next 20 minutes, Lord. Amen. Awesome. So if you got your Bibles, turn to, to Romans 5. That's where we're going to go. But, you know, I love the Book of Romans, like I said, and um, I've been sort of sharing some quotes. G. Campbell Morgan said about the Book of Romans that it's the most pesi- pessimistic page of literature upon which you have ev- your eyes have ever rested, and at the same time, the most optimistic poem to which your ears have ever listened. As we look at adversity, uh, adversity and suffering, all that kind of thing, um, are we going to approach it? From the glass half empty kind of viewpoint or the glass half full? You know, we all see a a glass and some of us look at it half empty, some look half full, depending if we sort of sway to more of a pessimistic nature or um, optimistic kind of way of looking at it. I kind of say to my son, you know, when you he doesn't say much back to me at the moment. He's six months old, right? But you kind of just say stuff to him. and, And so one of the things I say to him is, Hugh, and some people look at the glass half empty, some people look at it half full, you're going to pick up the glass and smash it because you don't have time to sit around looking at glasses. Amen. But that's kind of what I tell him. But the, tonight, I, I want us to try and look at the glass half full, regardless of what we're going through in this place. And that's a big part of what Paul would say here um, as it, he sort of gives us four principles of how we can actually rejoice in suffering. Can you say that? Rejoice in suffering. I know. It just sounds wrong, doesn't it? How do you rejoice in suffering? Well, good question. We're going to look at it. Um, but, you know, so I'm not so much that word suffering can conjure up all kinds of images for us. And so I just kind of want to break it down a little bit of, of what we're looking at. at it. For suffering, um, you know, some of us can think of a circumstance that we might actually be in right now that would cause us to suffer. Some of us would think of images from, TV, uh, from the television, maybe of, of war torn countries and, uh, you know, drought and, and people starving and that kind of suffering. Um, you know, sometimes we look at things, our, our history and our past and things that have happened in our life. Maybe it happened years ago, but it would still cause us to suffer. These are all a part, part of suffering and a part of life. And, um, you know, theres I'm not going to go into tonight, I think, though, at some point in the future we will, of, of why does suffering happen? But that's one of the biggest questions that people have and objections to to the Bible and Christianity and does God love our, um, actually? You know, love us, and I, I believe He does. But it is well. Then why is there suffering? And so, you know, I mean, just briefly, a few things. Like, I'm not going to go into it. But some of the reasons that we suffer and things happen in our world is that we actually live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. The world isn't how it should be, and um, and so that's one reason of of why stuff happens. Um, that you know, God loves us with all His heart, but we are in the context of a fallen world. That turned its back on God, and as a result of that, things happen in our world that can cause us to suffer. Second kind of thing is, is I believe the Bible says that there's a devil that opposes you and actually wants you to suffer, but we give him way too much power. We actually, he actually only has the power that we give him. I I, I think of the, you know, I don't know what images or what you've been taught about the the devil that will red guy with a horn running around and speaking on your shoulder. Um, not not true, not biblical, not at all. Um, but, you know, but there is actually a, a force that would a, a oppose us. But he kind of like, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Christ, he has no power. Um, Jesus actually uh, achieved... Victory over him on the cross, and that was a part of him dying. And that we can actually live that out, but it's actually how much power are we willing to give him? I see him as one of those just the image I have of him. You might have seen a, a cartoon, the Looney Tunes or something, where um, there's a big monster shadow on the wall, and then sort of it's looking scary, and everyone's scared. And it ends up being like a tiny little mouse, but it was just the shadow was projected. That's my image of the devil. Um, you know, so th- but that is a part of suffering, and, and that he is involved in that in the in the Bible. Um, but I, I think we give him way too much power. Um, and the third thing that, that actually causes suffering to happen in our world is bad decisions that we all make, poor decisions. You know, some things aren't necessarily a sin, but they are stupid, <laughs> right? Sometimes we can make a decision, and it's not necessarily a a morally wrong decision, but it, but there is a consequence to that, and it can be a, a poor decision. You know, I think sometimes, actually, I think majority of the time, some of our suffering is self-inflicted because of that third point, decisions that we make, but we try to blame it on the devil. You know, you might have heard of the, of the guy that was uh, walking past a church one day, a, a beautiful old church, and a big staircase leading up, and, um, and he saw the devil sitting on the, the stairs just crying. He was just weeping. The devil was just sitting there just, just crying and crying. The, and the man said, what's wrong devil and he said they're blaming me for everything in there and pointed to the church they're blaming me for everything the devil doesn't cause everything sometimes it's just our bad decisions but there is an enemy and, and there is decisions. so these are some things that cause suffering in our world and um so i just wanted to set us up with that but tonight what we're specifically talking about and what paul is talking about is actually rather than suffering and, and thinking of why is there suffering in the world uh, he's talking about why is there trials and tribulations and adversity in our own worlds. He's speaking to the church in Rome here um, in sort of mid-A.D., so 54, 55 A.D., and, you know, they're, uh, they're in a context of, of Rome, you know, the, the great empire Rome, and, and they're trying to live out uh, a Christian life, trying to—they've accepted christ Um you know that he died and and resurrected. Then they're trying to live that out, and they're trying to live out grace and glory in a context that is very counter that culture that they're trying to do. Very, um, you know, all kinds of things. There's there's gods and idols all around Rome. It's all about status. It's it's the if they had selfies back then, they would have been even better than our generation at taking selfies. Um, you know, they, there was. Sex as an act of worship and multiple partners and concubines and all this really w- wicked stuff. There was, if, if a um, child was, was born that wasn't wanted, that, that showed, showed a weakness or um, wasn't, you know, whatever legitimate, they would actually take them out to the edge of the city and leave them for the wild animals to come in and get them. And it was actually the Christians who started taking these children and adopting them And It was one of the first, one of the seeds of the beginning adoption movement. Of, and it was actually the Christians that did that because they said, no, every life is valuable. Every life is important. And God has created every person. They would rescue these kids. Quite, quite an awesome thing. Um, but this is the context they're trying to live out. And he's saying, hey, there's going to be stuff happen in your world because of the context you're in that's going to cause you to suffer. That's gonna, you're going to have questions why. But, but in that, you can rejoice. So Christians are not exempt from going through trials. I'm sorry if you've ever bought that lie, but that is not biblical. Um, it's any of the heroes of the faith, any of the characters that we hear about, or the, the people that we hear about, um, suffered. They went through things. And so Paul is no stranger, the, the person who's writing this letter, to going through awful situations. Some of the things that Paul went through is that people have spoken bad about him, and, and that would cause him to, to suffer. Um, people have injured him. He's been tortured. He's been locked up. He's been hungry. He's been homeless. He's been cast aside. He's been spiritually attacked. He's, um, and he's got prayers as he's writing this that have not yet been answered. He's, and he's actually in prison as he's writing this. He knows a little bit about adversity in his world, would you say? Paul knows a little bit. Um, but he can say that we can rejoice in sufferings. So last week I said this, is where, this part of Romans is where he goes into a bit of a Yoda moment. You know, where Yoda in the, um, the Empire Strikes Back says that fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And then in, in Romans chapter 5, Paul is going to pick it up from Yoda, uh, from Yoda here. Because Yoda finishes with suffering, but Paul is going to start here with suffering. He says in verse 3, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Can you say rejoice? rejoice. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wow, short but an awesome passage there that I want to unpack a bit. That we can actually even have joy in suffering. What a thing. What an amazing thing. It's a little quiet in here. It's good. I'd, I'd rather it louder, but it's okay. We'll get there. You know, James echoes this in, in his letter, the, the brother of Jesus, James writes, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've said these things to you, uh, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, you will have trials, you will have things that might cause you to suffer, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah, this is, this is awesome. This is what the, the Bible is pretty clear and upfront with us, that we are going to have adversities come up, but we can actually rejoice. We can rejoice. So I'm going to break down a little bit of kind of what's what's going on there. But this is the statement that I want to make that might uh, might get you driving away going, oh, I can't believe Stephen said that tonight. But I just want you to, to kind of think about it and allow the Holy Spirit to move in it as we jump into this. Adversity, trials, and suffering are good for us. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, especially if you're in that, I, I do want to be sensitive, and I know that you're, you could be feeling like you're going through hell right now, and, and I believe tonight God can bring a breakthrough and bring answers and pour out His love in a brand new way. But we're going to look at what it is to actually go through this and, and what Paul says here. So the first thing he says, he says, suffering produces endurance. That's number one. That's number one of Paul's top four reasons we can have, we can actually choose to have joy through suffering. I love it because he, so that word knowing is thinking about, actually having a predetermined decision when you're approaching this suffering, when you're approaching this trial, that you can make this decision because number one, it produces endurance in us. So we can have joy through suffering because it produces endurance. That's stamina, that's strength, that's durability. We can rejoice in suffering because as painful as it is, we know that it is actually producing long-lasting strength in our world. That's an awesome thing. That's a hard thing, but, you know, that, that is an awesome thing that when we're actually going through something that's painful, it's just like going to the, to the gym, which I do every day. Okay, I haven't been for months. It's okay. But And you start working out. Lyndon goes all the time, so let's use Lyndon. Lyndon's working out. And, and actually, the, the part of growing, growing a muscle, this is how he does it, right, like this. I've seen his Instagram he does the I can't even flex uh, but uh, and but a part of building muscle and and building strength is actually pushing the muscle to a uh, to a, a painful point but not beyond like not painful in the sense of beyond what you should but a stretching to a place where it actually um, sort of has to have a little bit of healing take place, and in that healing, that's where the muscle grows. Is that kind of correct? That's I know it's very elementary level, um, but you know, and it's just like a muscle. When we're going through trials, that painful thing we're going through, we can actually rejoice because we're going, hey, I might be going through a little bit of pain now, but it's actually going to build strength in me. You know, there's a story from um, from the early days of Samsung Electronics. I, I heard uh, another. Uh, the author and a preacher, one of my favorite speakers, Mark Clark, um, over there in Vancouver, uh, talk about it. Um, Melissa used to go to that church, didn't you? The Village Church. Um, you, you found a better one. No, just kidding. It's great <laughs> church. <laughs> now you're here in Calgary. Um, great church. I love his podcast and I love it. But he was sharing his story about he was playing golf with a guy and he, he was talking to a guy who used to be quite high up in Samsung Electronics. And so Samsung's actually... Produces the best phones like as we know the Android like better than iPhones, but that's one thing they've done but um, But they actually have produced uh, out of their culture more Fortune 500 CEOs than any other company have come through Samsung culture um, You know it's very successful and so back in the early days when you're allowed to get away with this stuff um, this guy that mark was talking to went through this process of an interview and, and made it to the top 30 of, of getting the guys who had put it into leadership in the company. And so they, fl- they flew 30 of the guys who had passed through the initial interviews over to New York. They had this meeting and they said, you guys have made it through the interview. You're, the, you're in the top 30. Um, and so the last thing though to do to get this job is we're actually going to need your wallets, your car keys, we're going to need, um, you know, I guess you probably didn't have cell phones back then. We're going to have all your forms of communication, anything that you might, might have on you. We're going, to, we're going to need that. And you're going to actually go out into uh, Times Square and just survive for two weeks. You're just gonna do this. this. Is back when you're allowed to do this kind of thing, right? Like now, we'd be like, oh, but how will I live without my uh, double tall caramel macchiato with almond milk, s- s- steamed to the left, not to the right, shaken, not stirred, kind of thing?" But back in the good old days of the 80s and whatever it was, you're allowed to just send people out on the street, go and survive. We're keeping your wallet. We're keeping your keys. And so, so what happened is the guy set out and slowly. Uh, and so the idea was like, you can come and get them at any time. You can come and get these things, but it means you won't be getting the job. You're going to be getting the position. And so out of the 30, after two weeks, only five people had lasted the, the lamp, And they're the people who got the job and went on to become very successful leaders in Samsung. Why would a company choose to do this? Why would they choose to create culture? Because they know that trials, adversity, challenges, a little bit of suffering is going to produce endurance in somebody. And they want to set up their company to to have that. And that's an amazing thing. It goes back to that statement I said, that adversity is good for us. And they got this culture in there. It's quite a, a cool little story there about how um, they, they, they could have had a problem that was going to cause suffering, anxiety, and, and it probably did. And a lot of them, 25 out of the 30 are probably traumatized for life. But anyway, um, but they, it, you know, that endurance, that strength that gets built through a challenge is such a thing. James 1 uh, 2 to 3, like I said before, he says as well consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. But then he goes on to say the same because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Comes back to that stamina thing again. Your faith is being tested through this trial that you might be in. Good. It's going to create endurance. There's nothing wrong with having your faith tested. You know, I've been uh, pastoring c 3 East Village for um, over a year now with Brittany. Um, I pointed to the wrong person, so I just wanted to clarify that. Don't get creeped out. Um, and, uh, and, but before that, you know, Brittany and I back in, back in Australia, we started a, a young adults ministry. I've been involved in worship, involved in youth. We're an intern pastor. So I, I've had a lot to do with people over the years and walking through times that are tough with them and seeing people, people suffer. And it's, you know, um, a pre- very humbling privilege and it's sad. And I've cried tears with people and prayed for people. And, you know, but the thing that I've seen through that time and time again that those that have chosen to, to persevere. Those that have chosen to endure during those adversities have always come out the other side stronger, bigger, and better. And they've got to look back on it and go, I wouldn't necessarily wish that it happened like that again, but I'm actually happy that I had to suffer that because I'm a bigger person because of it. I've seen it time and time again. So if you're going through a trial, I hope that actually encourages you because you're actually going to come out the other side stronger and better. You're going to get through this. You can do it. If you keep pressing into Jesus, keep the faith and keep holding on and know and rejoice that he's creating an endurance in you that's going to impact those around you in the future and yourself. You know, the sad thing on that is I've seen people give up and not endure and walk away and say, it's just too tough. And it's heartbreaking to see that. And if you're in that place where you want to give up, I'd encourage you not. You never know when your breakthrough is going to come. Maybe it's one more day. Maybe it's one more week. Maybe it's a year. I don't know. But but imagine if, if we could zoom out about, if we give up on something, we don't endure, we don't persevere. We zoom out and we see that actually we just needed to persevere one more hour, one more, one more day. And we would have got the breakthrough, but we gave up to early. You can endure and you can do this. You can rejoice as God produces endurance in you, the second thing is that it produces character. Can you say character? character? Okay. So this this um this actual term here in the original language refers more to a producing of character, like a like a, a like purifying a chemical element. So um, when you kind of look at it, is what it means, like the refining process of heating up gold or silver or a metal and actually purifying the process um is is what it's doing that character that's getting produced is actually a refining of your character and we can rejoice because of that I used to work uh in forestry and and part of that my job was working at a part of a chip mill not making potato chips but chips to send overseas and everything and for a period of time I found myself working in the blade room now this was awesome this was uh I think I've played but lead would get brought into me after they'd become dull, and I'd have to melt them down and put them through this refining process and resharpen them, and a part of that was actually boiling the metal down at a high degree temperature, and what would happen is all the, um, all the muck and all the chips and all the things that had kind of, uh, the impurities that had come along would actually separate, and then, we, then I'd have to scoop that away, and we'd, and we'd reshape the blades and um, do that kind of thing, but in that I always kind of stood over the 150 degree, 200 degree thing that we were pouring the metal into and would just think to myself, that looks painful. Boiling away there. Look what's going on there. Hmm, The p- impurities are leaving, but it looks pretty painful process that's going on. But what it's producing is actually a stronger, better, cleaner product in the end that is, um, you know, won't break as easy, uh, won't wear out as quick. That's kind of what Paul's talking about here is that through that process that we're going through, um, we can rejoice because what's actually happening in us is that uh, God, it might feel like God is doing, and, and we're going to look at it in a moment that God doesn't actually cause our suffering, but He can use it for good. But in that process that, that happens to us, that it feels like we're getting boiled. It's painful. But what's actually happening is we're getting our character refined. We're getting sanctified is the word the Bible uses. We're getting to become more like Jesus. And I, and and anytime I've been through a trial uh, or a tribulation or whatever you want to call it, all these funny words we have for it, a moment of suffering, my first instinct isn't to get there and go, this is, uh, this is producing character in me. Um, so it's all good. It's like, help, God, I just want your help. But when we actually take a step back, we can go, actually, I'm getting refined through this process. Yeah, it's, it's a tough process. But God's going to use this for good, and I'm going to come out again better at the end of it. In Psalm 66, verse uh, 10 to 12, you know, way back in the Old Testament, they even got this principle. It says, For you have tried us, O God, you have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid an oppressive burden upon our loins. You made men ride over our heads. That doesn't sound very comfortable. Uh, We went through fire and through water, yet you brought us out into a place of abundance. I love that. That is so good. And that is the second reason why we can rejoice is because God is refining us. And I've found, in my word the only way to be refined, the only way to get some of these impurities in me sorted out and some of these attitudes and some of these incorrect thinking is actually by going through the process of God developing character in me. It's by going through stuff. The third thing that we can rejoice in our suffering is, as Paul says there, Um, So we've gone from uh, endurance, we've gone into character, and they said, which leads us to hope. Can you say hope? hope? Hope. We can rejoice because we are being led to hope. During our suffering, we can actually take a pathway towards hope by rejoicing during the suffering. We can create hope as we realize that even though our circumstance is horrible that's going on, God can make it work out for the greater good. And because we endured that first point, leads us into character, characters being produced, and then we can actually start to see God refining something in us, and that can lead us to hope because we can get there and go, okay, this isn't just for nothing. I'm going through this for a purpose, and we begin to hope. And who knows the world needs hope at the moment. I, I need hope. Every day I need hope. Uh, every day you need hope, and especially in those moments of adversity, of suffering, like some of you guys are going through here tonight, you need to find a way to generate hope. And it's God that actually generates hope in us, but he can do that by us going through this process of enduring, of developing character, of seeing that little bit of improvement or that little breakthrough, and rising up hope within us. Hope is so important in our world. We need to find a way to generate it. Sometimes it takes work. Sometimes it takes a choice. Sometimes it takes speaking. Even though you feel like 99.9% the opposite of hopeful, you start speaking hope. You start seeing, uh, seeing God for who he is. You start, and, and then hope will start to rise up in you. And, then so, so, and the, third, the fourth thing that can, um, can cause us to, to rejoice during suffering, uh, Paul says, which does not shame. So he says it goes from enduring to character, character to hope, and then hope does not put us to shame. And we talked about a few weeks ago that Jesus came to remove shame. And so during our suffering, it's really common. It's, it's a very normal thing for us to do to actually feel shame. Am I, am I right? Does anyone else? Yeah. Um, and and actually, that, that's a tactic, like I said, of that little devil that tries to sneak into us. It's a, a, just a natural kind of thing we do. We, we develop these pathways in our brain. The awesome thing is science has discovered we can actually um, redirect those pathways. And that's the way that God made us, that through speaking positive, having faith, having hope, we can re. Uh, redirect the pathways, that our our neural pathways, so that we won't always go to despair, we won't always go to feeling shame, but we can go to hope. That's a cool thing that God's created in us, but it takes work going on. Um, So, But Jesus actually came to remove shame. And so if you're suffering here, and you're feeling shame, that's not from God. And I believe tonight, in the next few minutes, as we finish up the message, and and we pray that God is going to remove that shame from you because he's already actually done, done that. He's already removed the shame on the cross. Sometimes we just take a little while to catch up to what he's already achieved for us. Um, and so, and then the, lastly, Paul says it's because of the Holy Spirit that, that pours out. He, he says um, so that, that it does not put us to shame, and that the Holy Spirit is going to pour out God's love in our world, the Father's love. It comes back to the Holy Spirit being active and alive in our suffering. So that's kind of my question and my application to you. You know, there's four points there, and they're just kind of great points. We could all check the boxes and leave. But how are we actually going to apply that in our world? Um, my, my question, I guess, is are you allowing the Holy Spirit to function in your suffering? I know my first tendency isn't to. It's to panic. It's to try and solve problems on my own, to try and think that I can do something. But actually, the first thing we need to go is Holy Spirit. Show me God's love in this. I'm suffering. I'm not feeling loved. I'm feeling pain. I'm not feeling good about this. But Holy Spirit, would you come and help? Would you remind me of who God is? Would you remind me that I can have hope? Would you remind me that you're creating endurance and character in me? But we need to invite the Holy Spirit into our suffering. So I'm just going to, if I can have the keys come back up, I'm going to kind of just now um, pop out a a bunch of uh, scriptures here from Romans 8 that I want you to consider and then share a story to end with that I, that I hope encourages us of, of a, yeah, we'll get to that. But um so we've been in Romans 5, now we're jumping up to Romans 8. Next, we're going to actually skip out of a few of the chapters of Romans because I said there's so much in it. But next week, we're going to go into the later chapters of Romans. It's all awesome. It's all good. I love it all. It's just, man, I just thought I could get through it, but there's so much good stuff. So um we'll actually end up in Romans 12 probably next week. But we're going to go to Romans 8 here, verse 18. And so you got to remember romans is very systematic so you know he'll like i said when there's a therefore in the bible it's there for a reason he's he's talking about what did he just say beforehand so last week we talked about we therefore we have peace with god so there was a therefore a reason because jesus went to the cross and died for us and and then we had peace and then we wanted to say um and and move on to this and now this is in the context of what's already happening of that peace of all the things that have gone on beforehand. It says in Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings, our current sufferings, not the ones that we've already been through, the ones that we are currently in are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Living out a glory and God reveals a glory through our suffering. So good, so good, but I got to keep going. Tell me to keep going. So stay on track. Okay, I will. Thank you for being so polite. 28, verse 28. And we know that in all things... All things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So good. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can you say that? Who can be against us? Some of you guys have got to start speaking the Word of God over your circumstances that you're in. We all need to do it, but some of you really need to do it tonight, I believe. So you've got another chance here. Uh-huh. Verse 37. Oh, man. Someone needs to hear this tonight. It says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You are more than a conqueror here tonight. I know you're not feeling like a conqueror, but you are more than a conqueror through Him, through Christ who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can rejoice in this place because of God's love in our world. So in summary, the promise that God works all things together for good does not mean that all things taken by themselves are good. I did want to make that clear. I'll say that again. The promises that God works all things together for good that we just read does not mean that all things taken by themselves are good. Some things and events that have happened to you are bad. They are awful. I'm I'm sorry they've happened to you. I really am. I feel it. And they're wrong. They're not God's desire to happen to you. That's the the risk of free will, of creating a world with free will, that bad decisions happen, that people would turn their back and things would happen, that people would choose things contrary to God's desire. But the Scripture says God is able to work them together for good. He sees the big picture and he has a master plan in it, even when the plan doesn't go, even if he didn't cause them. Neither does the promise that God works all things together for good mean that we will acquire all those things that we want or desire. Romans eight twenty eight says, God's goodness is about God's goodness and our confidence that his plan will work out as he sees fit. Sometimes we have an idea of God's plan and he has a, a little bit of a different idea of how that's gonna outplay, and it always works out better he's God and we're not he's the creator and we're the created so we just have to kind of get that our head around that um, and since his plan is always good Christians can take confidence and that we can rejoice that no matter our circumstances no matter our environments God is active and will conclude all the things according to he's good and wise design whatever you go are going through today you can rejoice say I can rejoice I know you can that's what we've been talking about you can, it's a choice, and you can have peace. And we talked about peace last week. But so I just want to finish with a story. Has anybody heard of Horatio Spadford? Yeah, yeah, a few of us heard. Good. Um, many of you guys would have heard what we'll get to of, of why you might know about him. But I want to tell you a story about a, a guy and his family. He was, was 1870s. He was living in Chicago. Uh, and Horatio was, was a very successful businessman. He made some really good investments in his world. Um, he, he, you know, had a great family. had uh, four daughters. He had a son, a four year old son. And then tragedy struck. He, his son actually died of scarlet fever. Awful. I kind of, like that kind of clicks with me even even more than it did before. Now that I, I have a son, of just the, the the imagining or the feeling of losing a son, and the, for that family, that grieving grieving period. And while they were still grieving, uh, Horatio, his wife Anna, and, and the four daughters. Uh, the great Chicago fire that you guys might have heard of destroyed like a whole bunch of Chicago destroyed all of his businesses all his investments and wiped out their life savings just like that so they're grieving and then this another tragedy awful suffering situation happens to them so as a result of that Horatio um, manages to in that grieving process he thinks like you know he stays faithful to God He's he's a believer but he goes I need to go to Europe and take my family during this process and have a time of rest and also a time of ministry. He chose to step in to uh, his friends with D.L. Moody, which is another guy some of us would have heard of, and he wanted to partner with him. So they were going to catch, this wasn't the day of planes or anything like that. They were catching a a ship across to Europe from Chicago and to to be able to heal up and to let God move in them and to do his thing during their suffering. Um, And right at the last moment, like a day or two before they were scheduled to set out a, a pretty urgent business situation come up back in Chicago. And so he decided to, him and Anna, his wife, decided that, well, the, the ladies would still go, Anna and the four daughters, but Horatio would stay back and deal with the business and come to them a couple days later. Well, uh, Anna and his four daughters were, were on the ship on November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic uh, on the steamship. Their ship was struck by an island sa- an iron sailing vessel. 226 people lost their lives, including all four of of Horatio's daughters. Only his wife, Anna, had survived. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to to Horatio saying, saved alone. Man, talk about a a moment of suffering. So Horatio is is suffering and and he's grieving and he he jumps on on the ship to go and meet up with Anna. And uh, just as sort of crossing the area where where the two boats had collided and four of his daughters had lost their life, the captain called him up and, and said, this is, this is about the area where, where your daughters lost their life, where they drowned to death, where two, over 200 people had died. And Horatio there standing, looking over the ocean where his daughters had died, wrote a song. He wrote this hymn. In a moment of suffering, he chose to rejoice says, when peace, this was the, the song he said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How can a man who went through so much suffering and so much uh, things to, to come against him, how can he stand up so just still in the moment of suffering and declare that it is well, it is well of his soul. It's because of Jesus. It's because of the revelation um, that the Jesus that he had. It's because of his revelation of the Father that, um, that God can make all things come to good. It's because of the, the peace that God, that surpasses, like, surpasses all understanding in our world, was downloaded to him. And even in the suffering, he chose to declare that it is well, it is well of his soul. Maybe you're suffering here today and that can look like whatever it might look like for you and you're feeling like you're at your wit's end. I just want us to stand as I conclude here. I just want to declare some truths to the Word of God before I hand it back to Brad. Um, And and if that's you, I just want you to to not just hear this. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.